During the season of Easter, we are looking at what it means to have a place to call home. We've noticed that throughout the scriptures, uh, one of the themes that we see is, is that we are all a part of the family of God, that we are to love each other as brothers and sisters. And so it's a place that we call home. Our text this morning is from John's Gospel, the 15th chapter. It's part of the narrative the biblical scholars oftentimes refer to as the farewell discourse. Chapters 14 through 17 are essentially Jesus's final words to his disciples as he prepares them for a major transformation and transition. None of the other four gospels contain such lengthy discourse by Jesus as parts of the events that surround his rest and his trial. But he seems to be explaining to them the significance of his death and his departure before these events happen so that when they occur, the disciples will be able to interpret these events through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of despair. He's telling them essentially that something new, namely the ministry of the disciples and of the church, is about to be born. And as with all births, something, namely Jesus himself, has to die. It's in that holy context that Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. And so you should love one another in that way as well. So I invite you to listen now to this text from John 15. Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Hear now these words. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater, greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. Here ends the reading. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So on social media this week, I saw a post from a young mother in our congregation whose little girl had lost her first tooth. There were pictures and a smile with a hole in it. And the mom mentioned in the comments how surprised she was at just how emotional she was in this moment. That this was a big milestone, she pointed out, and, and she wasn't quite prepared for that. Those firsts can be sacred moments, can't they? 
the first steps, the first lost tooth, the first day of kindergarten, the first time you drive a car, your first kiss, the first time you say, I love you, that first dance at the reception, the first child, and on and on and on. Firsts are holy moments filled with, with promise and possibility. And lasts, too, can be sacred moments as well. The last day of school, the last time you suit up and wear that uniform for that team, the last day of work before your retirement. As a pastor, I have been granted the sacred privilege of being with families at the bedside of a loved one as they say their last words, as they draw their last breath, as they transition from this moment to the next, from this world to the other side. Some of these holy moments can be both a first and a last. In fact, this weekend at TCU, they celebrated with their graduates with commencement ceremonies. Saturday, they held two ceremonies, one in the morning and one in the afternoon for the class of 2021. And what a celebration it was. And on Friday, too, they had a, a special commencement ceremony for, for the class of 2020. Those folks who, because of the pandemic, missed their opportunity, had to forego the chance to, to walk across the stage, to receive their diploma, to, to move the tassel, to celebrate with their friends and with their family. So graduation is both an ending, but also a beginning. The end of your academic career, but the beginning of your life after college. A new career, endless opportunities. And so like all firsts and lasts, graduation is a holy moment. Anthropologists refer to these moments as liminal moments. The term liminal derives from the Latin word limens, and it refers to that threshold passage between two separate places, or between two separate stages. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on the notion that it is in these liminal spaces where the most profound spiritual transformation and growth oftentimes take place. The chaos, the turmoil of these liminal moments opens up our hearts and our minds. It, it opens up our souls to the power of God. We become in those moments ripe, broken open, and that is when and where the most significant transformation happens. Mitch Album wrote a book several years ago called Tuesdays with Maury that had a profound effect on me. It was the first book that I ever read where the moment that I finished the book, I wiped the tears from my eyes, I took a deep breath, and I, I literally, in that moment, turned back to the very first page and started reading it once again. It's the true story of Mitch's favorite college professor, Maury Schwartz, who had become a mentor for him. But over the years, they had drifted apart. They had lost track of each other. And there were times that Mitch so desperately wanted to reconnect with his former favorite professor. To be able to ask him the bigger questions that, had, that life had forced him to deal with. To receive some wisdom and some guidance for his busy life in the way that he had earlier when things were much more simple. When Mitch got that second chance, he heard somehow that Maury had been diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And when he learned about that diagnosis, knowing that he was dying, Mitch and Maury, they reconnect. 
And Mitch pledges to visit Maury every single Tuesday. It was, for both of them, sort of one last class on what it means to die, along with what it means to fully live. In his final days, on his deathbed, Maury says to Mitch, you know, in the beginning of life, when we are infants, we need others to survive, right? And at the end of life, when you get like me, you need others to survive, right? And then his voice dropped to a whisper. And he said, but here's the secret. In between, we need others then as well. And isn't that, at least in part, why we come together in this way each week? Why we are a part of a community of faith? Because we have come to the realization that we need other people in our lives to help us and to guide us, to share life with us, to help us navigate through life's journey. Because we realize that life and faith, that's a team sport. And while faith is, is deeply personal, it's never private. That we were made, that we were built to be in relationship with other people, that we need others in our lives. We need friends and family. We need partners in this journey to cheer us on, to encourage us, to pick us up when we fall, to hold us accountable. Isn't that at least in part what it means to be church? The Apostle Paul said it this way, that we are called to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. I know a dad who was at a Little League baseball game watching his son play ball. And during a break in the action, he made his way towards the snack bar for a, a snow cone. And out of the corner of his eyes, as he walked across the field, he saw on another field something extraordinary. Number eight was at bat. And number eight hit the ball. Not hard, but he hit it. And everyone started yelling, run, run, which sort of gave him the idea that maybe this didn't happen very often. That hitting the ball wasn't normally his custom. And so he did. He began to run, and he was getting close to first base. And here comes the throw, and it was a close play. But the umpire called him safe. And everyone started cheering. Now, normally at a Little League baseball game, when the, there's a close play, some of those folks in the stands cheer, and others, the rest of them, they question the vision and the competence of the umpire. But this time, this time, everyone cheered. And there, there on first base stood number eight, trying desperately to suppress an enormous smile. Now, friends, if you've ever seen a young boy of eight, nine years old standing, trying to suppress a smile on first base, then you know something about the goodness and the grace of God. Now, you can see it, can't you? In your mind's eye, you can see the boy and you can hear the crowd and you can imagine what had just occurred on that field of dreams, that this was no ordinary hit. This, this was the first hit. And we can appreciate that, and we can smile right along with number eight. 
But to truly appreciate that hit, you had to be there week after week. You had to be there game after game, strikeout after slow roller back to the pitcher to truly understand the significance of what happened in that moment. To truly appreciate the smile on that boy's face, you had to see it through the lens of his heartache. You had to be there week after week, game after game. Some of the most special baby dedications that I've done are for families that have shared with me some of their struggle to conceive that child. Families with whom I have walked the long, difficult, painful, heart-wrenching journey of infertility. Because I know how hard it was, how much they wanted a child. This child. And because I had seen them week after week, and now I could see this child through the lens of their heartache but now I can also see this child through the lens of their joy. In the text that we just heard, in his last words, Jesus invites us to abide in him. Now the word abide isn't used much in modern speech. In Greek, the word is meno, which much like the definition of the English word means means something like remain or stay, continue to exist, to persist. It means, in other words, to show up day after day, week after week. John uses the word abide far more than any other New Testament writer. Out of the 118 times that the word appears in the scriptures, John uses it 68 times. But like I said, it's not a word that we use much in our common lexicon. Instead, we most often use the word reside, as it alludes to in the text today. Because to reside is to have a home. It's to belong, to be vested, to be invested in somebody or something. In 1943, psychologist Abraham Maslow wrote a paper called A Theory of Human Motivation. And in it, he described what he understood to be Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those eight basic needs that every one of us have in life. Right after the basic needs like food and air and water, and then safety just above it, both physical and emotional safety, then comes our need to belong. Belonging, the sense of love, of intimacy, of friendship. There is this part of us that needs to belong. Now Maslow would go on to expound on that need, and he even created a new term, belongingness. Belongingness is the the human emotional need to, to be an accepted member of a group. Whether it's a family or friends, coworkers, a sports team, a church. Humans have this inherent desire to to belong, to be an important part of something greater than themselves. I think in many ways that is one of the things that we have discovered most acutely in the last year. Just how much we need one another. Just how much we need to belong to something bigger than ourselves. In his last words to his disciples, on the night that one of them would betray him, when he would be arrested and tried and ultimately put to death, in other words, on his deathbed, he tells them this, abide in me 
As God has loved me, I have loved you. In other words, in other words, he's saying, make yourself at home in my love. And that's what I've done. He says, I've kept my father's commandments and made myself at home in his love. He's saying that we should, that we should love one another as he has loved us, that we should care for one another in the way that he has cared for us. He is saying that, that we belong to each other just as we belong to him. This is, there is this want. There is this need of a place to belong where we are all welcomed as we are. Warts and questions and all of it. And my guess is that you came here at one point, maybe recently, maybe 50 years ago, because you were looking for that same thing. You wanted a place where you could belong, and you came here because of your need for belongingness. And you wanted to be a part of something bigger than yourself because you had come to realize that the world didn't revolve around your belly button. And you sat down, and you stayed, and you keep coming back. But here's the thing. That's not enough. We, we can't stop there. Now we need to make sure that we are providing that place for other people. People who are hungry to be a part of something bigger than themselves. People who are longing to hear again and again and again that they are loved and that there is something bigger, something more important than the sound of their single solitary voice. You see, when we make our home within the Christian community, we invest in belonging. And being a part of a particular place with a particular people. And as we do, we create our spiritual home. And we love one another. And we care for one another. And we cheer each other on. And we hold one another when we are broken. And we help one another when we can't find our way. There was once a man who was, who was lost in the forest. And he tried several trails, but none of them would lead him out. Along one of those roads, though, he came across another traveler and he got so excited. He said, finally, finally, someone who can lead me out of here. But the other man admitted, I'm lost too. But, he said, but if we work together and we share with one another all of the ways that haven't worked, then together, he said, together we will find our way home. Abide in me, Jesus said. Reside, make yourself at home in my love. And love one another as I have loved you. Because, because we belong to each other. Amen.